0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Because as much as I think they bring up some points, and again, metrics kind of show some different things about smart defensively, this is where they sort of lose me. This is where they go down this path where I'm like, okay, you made your point. Now you're going a little bit too far. Here it is. He doesn't even move the needle from defensive rating. He's not even the best on his own team. Derek White, Jalen Brown are better defenders, in my opinion, than Marcus Smart. And yet he won defensive player of the year. Wait a minute. You just said, as by way of dismount, that Marcus Smart is the fourth best defensive player on his own team? You could probably make an argument that Jason Tame's is better, too. Huh? I mean, they actually improved the defensive okay. the numbers for their team, their ability to to defend the paint, to defend the other team from scoring better than those guys. Okay. Uh, we, we, listen, before we even react, I'll let this guy react. Okay, we got Brian Scalabrine. He's joining us right now. Now, let's get the inside scoop on the Celtics. It's Scal time. Brian Scalabrini on Marloni and Fourier. Brought to you by Shaw's, Perfecting the Art of Fresh. And by John Sewer and Drain Cleaning, the name to know when your drains don't flow. All right, with that, and the Harbor One Hotline, joining us is Brian Scalabrini. Scal, you just heard Tom uh, Habistro and uh, Dan Lebitar down in Miami. Your reaction to what you just heard there from those two?
1: You know, and those guys are smart. But this is a really dumb take because (laughs) I'll tell you why. Like defensive rating is based on who you're playing against. And so when the best player or the top two players, sometimes they go to the bench together or the best offensive team, that group on the other team, you can bet a million dollars that Marcus Smart is going to be on the floor with those guys. And then when those guys go to the bench, that's when Smart goes to the bench. So So he brought up Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's, Defensive number and listen. I'm not. I'm not trying to hate on Jason Tatum. That's not what this is about. But like his defensive numbers as a team, the defensive rating is much better. But the way that he may subs him, he subs them out early and brings them in against the backups. So what do you think is going to happen? You're playing second string guys. What do you think the defensive rating is going to be against second string guys versus first string guys? And if you put them all on the court together at the same time, then yeah, like it, it makes it work. But like I said before, like, Marcus's rating is always going to coincide with the best offensive team on the other side. So that's a, that's, a, that's a terrible take. And I get it. Like, the metrics would say this and that. Please tell me you watch him play. And what does your eye tell you? But he, I mean, and he's out there. He guards the best player every single night. And sometimes the things they can't see, which is this, when he switches off on two of five, the ability to keep that five off the glass is what allows the Celtics to have defensive versatility. Every other team in the NBA, when they switch their point guard onto a five man, now all of a sudden they got a double team, or they got to make sure they block two guys out, or they give up an offensive rebound. They don't do that with Smart. He's one of the best guys at blocking out, but that's another thing that might might not come up on metrics. So, so I just I wish those I wish those guys would watch more and, and make those. Uh, comments based off of rating. No, I agree. So what does this what does this say? What does this mean for the NBA when finally, finally, the first guard since Gary Payton, like I don't know, twenty-six something years, something crazy like that, is winning defensive player of the year. Is this does this mean that more greater emphasis or maybe appreciation for those wing players,
0: those guys that play the perimeter?
1: We'll go yeah, go ask Brad Stevens when he put the team together <laughs> and how he the number one thing he did was I want guys that can check multiple positions. So, and everyone is is, is trying is try, uh, trying to get this. Ever since the Golden State Warriors came into town, they had their Death star lineup, that was what I guess 6 years ago at this point or I guess 5 years ago. Everyone's looking for defensive versatility and how much versatility can you have and not get beat with it? And we don't want if you have a weak defender on the court, you get exposed. And now your coaching is your coaching is 95% coaching around the guy who can't guard to keep him on the floor. And other other people can do that, but when you don't have to, and you can focus on other things, I think it's now like coaches and everyone's recognizing how important versatility is. And by the way, the best players in the NBA are all perimeter players. There's a few like, you know, like even Jokic, um, you know, Embiid and, and Giannis, but the rest of the guys are taking the ball off the bounce and you have to be able to guard those guys. So, like, I don't think it's a question that this year, in particular with Draymond Green playing 51 games and, and Rudy Gobert missing all those games, I don't think it's a question uh, as far as who should have won it this year. I just don't know if this is a trend that will continue moving forward because those, the impact of a Rudy Gobert when he's on the floor, off the floor, if he, would, if he were to play 72, 73, 74 games, it, w- it would be hard to, for most people not to vote against him. Hey, Scout, switching gears a little bit. uh, We talked previously about kind of the depth of the bench and shooting on offense. How concerned are you about, um, I guess, the limited production that we got from Derek White, from Peyton Pritchard in game one? I know Peyton wasn't on the floor that much, but I know Grant Williams wasn't shooting from the corner as well as we've seen him. But do you think that that bench depth is going to come back to haunt the Celtics a little bit in this series at any point? So, you guys want to know, I'm just going to tell you what I feel about the whole game. It's my answer to your question. I feel like I, everyone is thinking about Kevin Durant and, oh, man, look how good Kevin Durant is. And he's going to play a lot better, which I actually 100% agree with that. To me, I thought it looked like the Celtics of the 500 Celtics before the All-Star break. I didn't think that we were very good in that game at all. I didn't think defensively we were great. I thought we were great on Durant. Outside of that, I did not think we were great. I did not think um, offensively we had a great day. So I, I think what, when it goes back to bench players, or let's just say role players. When the ball moves and everyone's in the right space and everything is clicking like it's supposed to, like those bench guys are going to make shots. Like I'm not worried about Derek White or Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard. Like those guys making shots when, when the ball is flowing. Like when the Celtics play Celtic basketball – I felt like we got away from that. And at times, we did it. And the other times, it was like, what are we doing all over again? Like, reverting back to that old style. Why, do you, sorry, the, why do you think that they reverted back to that style? Because I definitely understand what you were saying. I feel like I saw the same thing. And what, why was it so stunted on their half-court offense? Yeah, I, I, you know what I'm going to do for game one? I'm going to blame it on the week off. You know, um, and then you look around – did you watch the Bucks game? They looked terrible. Like, a lot of teams that had that week off, uh, like Miami in the first half, like, everyone just looked choppy. And it's not – and the intensity is high, and they were trying. Like, they were sort of, it wasn't like they weren't trying. It's just like I feel like the week off really stunned a lot of teams in the league. and And now I think we'll see – what this is really about. And I think it, uh, you know, like in a way it probably stunned Brooklyn. They didn't have a week off, but I felt like Durant was off. And Durant's never really off like that. So there's a lot of it in game one. I'm, I'm guessing today the ball will be hopping again. Like the Celtics will go back and say, Oh yeah, here here we go. It's going to be easy to like revert back to the good basketball. Cause they played it so much. And I'm guessing I like, go see a lot more open shots from those guys or if we'll go back to this, if they want to guard Tatum one-on-one with Claxton or Drummond, and they're going to, they're still going to hold up on shooters like the way they did in game one. And Tatum's going to have 50 points. So I'm guessing Steve Nash is going to be like, we can't stay, stay in front of anybody. We have to help. So that help will lead to open shots. But, I just didn't think the ball moved at a rate at which we we had been used to with the Celtics.
0: All right, we're talking to Brian Scalabrini. Scal, I'm curious your thoughts. Big discussion, obviously, all week has been Kyrie Irving. Um, a lot of people sort of feel like the, the crowd obviously affected him because he's reacting to him, but I thought he was fantastic. I don't think the crowd really affected him. That was an A-plus game from him. But what did you think about the whole Kyrie Boston fan base uh, love affair, I should say, in game one?
1: Yeah, so the way I stand with all this is, like, both people know, uh, some use Kyrie as one and then the fans as the other. Both people know the lines not to cross. Like, everyone's on high alert in, yep. in the Garden to eject people. And, by the way, like, when I go to a game, like, even me, who I have a mouth of the sailor sometimes, like, off, off air, right? Like, I mean, me, I'm, like, a little bit uncomfortable by some things that some people say. If I had my kids with me, I'd, I'd probably would stand up and be like, come on, man, we don't need all that, right? But so there's lines there. As long as the Boston fans don't cross the line, which ninety nine point nine 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 percent of them don't, and then Kyrie can't cross the line. I, I, you know, like he knows he's going to get fined fifty thousand dollars for flipping the crowd off and doing all the stuff that he did. I agree with you. I don't think it affected his play, but you know, sometimes there's a carryover in that. And one thing I, I will admit, I didn't think Kyrie played great until the Celtics made three defensive errors on him, and he went one, two, and three threes on it for nine points. From that point on, he was like a different player. So, I and go, going back again, Celtics don't make that many defensive errors, like 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 blatant errors. So, I do think they were a little out of sorts. Don't expect a huge night from Kyrie tonight, but I also don't expect him to flip off the crowd. Yeah, so I, I guess like you know, as far as adjustments go, I think you just kind of broke it down. You know, so so if you're the if you're Steve Nash, I mean, are you doing anything differently? Or are you sitting there looking at your team, going hell? We were one play away, one you know lapse of defensive judgment away from winning this game. So why should we really change other than just hoping Durant does a better job? Well, here's what I would do. Um, I don't know what he's going to do, but I'd be shocked if he doesn't make a huge adjustment to this. Andre Drummond is unplayable in this series with shoot, with shooters like Al Horford and Daniel Tice. Claxton did a much better job, so I just don't. I don't think he'll go. I think the the rating on him was a minus. So the net rating on Andre Drummond was like a minus 42 when he was out there. And it was like clear as day to me when I was watching it. And basically in the second half when he got his fourth foul, it seems like I'm done with this. So I think that he'll play less. I think they will play more versatile. So, you know, like classing, switching screens and all that stuff instead of trying to coach around Drummond. And then uh, I think for the Celtics, I actually wouldn't make a single adjustment. Just go back to who you were when you were winning all the games. That's all you have to do. You don't have to like change anything. I thought they did a great job on on Durant. By the way, I don't think they did a bad job on Kyrie. Kyrie. I just think he played really well. So tighten up some things there. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think the Celtics need to do anything. I think it's more uh, with the Nets, and I think that they'll play a more faster lineup. Uh, and I think you'll you'll it'll be rare to see Kevin Durant come off the floor tonight. I think it's just a must win for for the Nets. But I, I like the Celtics tonight. I like the Celtics. Uh, after I watched the game live without a monitor, without working, I didn't call it. Then I rewatched it when I got home. I, I don't know, man. I feel like we're a much better team than what we showed, and I feel like the Nets, like besides Durant, everybody else on their team played way above their head.
0: All right, so Scott, we might not last one for me. Might not talk to you till uh, I don't know after a few games here. So I'm curious. We've talked a lot about Rob Williams, what maybe to expect, and when he could possibly, who knows? But I'm more concerned about like Ben Simmons. Okay, like there's reports maybe game four. Can he have any kind of an effect? I think we've talked about this before. It's just like a wild card, but where would that effect come in and how can he help the Nets?
1: So I don't know I don't know what Ben Simmons is gonna be like. I I, I can tell you this. The best version of Ben Simmons will have a huge impact in this series. But he hasn't played since June twentieth. Yeah. June twentieth. And this is a guy who doesn't even like basketball. Like he's not passionate about it. It's not like he like you know, waking up in a cold sweat because he doesn't get a chance to compete. He doesn't even like it. So uh, to, to me, typically people like that, like don't necessarily come back and like are chomping at the bit to get out there and show the world, whatever. But I will say like, I've seen him play and the best version of him would be a factor in this series. But you have to, like, I don't, I'm, I don't know like how he's going to come back from not playing since June 20th and all of a sudden guard Jason Tatum. And, his athleticism become a huge factor in this series. But you can never say never with guys in the NBA. I mean, like, you just never know. I've seen Jalen Brown come off of COVID and drop 47 in a Nick game Like, I I don't know. Sometimes this stuff is just crazy. But my guess is no, but you never know.
0: All right, Scott, let me correct me if I'm wrong. You and Mike, you got the rest of the series? Is that right? Did I hear that? I tell six.
1: Two through six. So make sure you guys tune in to the best coverage. Here in uh, New
0: England. There it is, NBC Sports Boston. You got it. All right, pal, listen, enjoy the game tonight. It should be a lot of fun, and we look forward to talking to you down sounds the road. Good.
1: Yeah, sounds good. See ya.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild.